You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. Good morning, Journey. How are we doing today? Yeah, let's go. Hey, so good to have you today. If this is your first time or you're newer, I want to welcome you. My name is Dustin Agard, one of the pastors here. Just honored that you're here. I want to welcome everybody to join us in Lake County and online. Uh, yesterday, as you just saw, was a, it was a special day. Serve Day, if you've never been a part of Serve Day, absolutely incredible. The whole goal of Serve Day is to literally, what the shirts say, love where we live. And, and you saw that played out brilliantly. And I just got to tell you, as, as your pastor, I couldn't be more proud of our church. And listen, I've heard from a variety of people that they couldn't make it yesterday, and you didn't have to be there to be a part of yesterday. When you pray for the church, when you encourage the church, when you financially give to the church, you help serve day, you help the gospel be lived out among serve day. So it said 723 people were there, but that's not the impact of 723 people. That's the impact of a church because we all are body of the Christ, amen? And so I want to say thank you to you for all that you do. (laughs) Grateful, grateful, grateful. And we saw anywhere from a one-year-old to a 90-year-old serve at Serve Day, which was just so special. And you saw just families. It's just a great opportunity to get out and serve and just really, really encouraged. And I'll tell you, this is by far the biggest Serve Day we've had. and, And I just get blown away. I'm more and more amazed by what an army of believers can do with a little bit of planning and a couple hours. And, and there are some people that, as I said that, they're like, what do you mean a little bit of planning? Because we, st- we have some staff, they're like, we didn't do a little bit of planning, we did a lot of planning, and it takes an army to pull off what we just did, uh, but every army needs a leader. And so I just wanna say thank you to Pastor Tammy Joseph and Cass Conley, who both did a great job leading us really, 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 really well. And here's what's cool. Um, what we do is we serve the community, and then we come back here for a little after party and, and lunch. And um, the after party was my favorite thing. There's a guy named Lucio, and he got baptized in our after party. And, and it's what's real. Yeah, you get excited about that. This is his rooted leader. He's been in a rooted group and, uh, and just uh, felt like, man, I need to make today the day. And so we got to uh, have some people come in here and gather and we celebrated that. And so it's just amazing what God is doing in and through you. If, if you haven't been here the past couple weeks, we're in this series called Peaks and Valleys. And the whole idea of Peaks and Valleys is this, that you and I have mountaintop experiences, but we don't live on the mountaintop. We, we go through valleys and God takes us through hills and the mountaintop is to prepare us for the valleys and hills. And so we looked at uh, week one, we looked at Mount Moriah with Abraham and Isaac. And then week two, we looked at last week, Moses and Mount Sinai. And today what we're gonna look at is Mount Carmel and we're gonna look at a guy named Elijah. But before we get in there, I wanna share this line because it's kind of the preface of where we're going. The line from blessing to burnout can be so thin. The line from blessing to burnout could be so thin. And right now we're right here and where I want to take us in 30 minutes is over here. And I got, I'm going to do a little windy road to get there, but if you'll be patient, I want to take us on a little journey. 
And here's what I mean by this statement. The line from blessing to burnout could be so thin. Like there are sometimes, I don't know about you, there are sometimes like you're so on fire for God. You're so passionate for God. You just look at the letter T, like you're just typing something and you look at that and you're like, that reminds me of a cross. And then you just start weeping. You're like, God is good. Like there are some days you're like, oh my goodness, God is so good that you can't even look at uh, the letter T. And then the next week you see an actual cross and it does nothing to you. And it's like, how do we go from being on fire? How do we go from a mountaintop to, to then just being apathetic to God? And, and, and the deal is, is we're all in a journey and we have these peaks and valleys. And so the line from blessing to burnout can be so then Here's what research said, re, proven research said, people involved in people helping activity are prone to physical and emotional exhaustion when their optimism hits the stubborn truths of human nature. Okay, so what this means is we as Christians, we are in the people helping business. That's what Serve Day was about, but we don't just help people uh, once or twice a year with Serve Day. That's what we're called to do when we love our neighbor. We are in the people helping activity, helping them, serving them, loving them, pointing them to Jesus. And it says we are prone to physical and emotional exhaustion when our optimism hits the stubborn truths of human nature, meaning this, our hope hits the reality of depravity. Our hope that what God can do in our neighbor and in that marriage that we've been poured into hits the reality that we're all deprived, we, we, we all have sin, and then when that happens, there can be exhaustion. And so how do we balance that? How do we go from mountain to mountain knowing that there's a valley in between? And as I look at scripture and I hear stories about Abraham and, and Isaac and, and Moses, I think, man, these people are like, Incredible! I, I can't even live up to those expectations. And then I read James 5, 17. It says, Elijah was a man just like us. And I'm given hope. Man, just like us. Listen, Elijah, which we're gonna say today, is an incredible, incredible story, but not because Elijah was incredible, but the incredible God lived in Elijah. And so the same God that lived in the, the characters in the Bible lives in you and me, and they, they were humans, flawed, broken, hurt just like you and me, but the God that is in them is the same. And so who is Elijah? Elijah is radically committed to God. I mean, incredibly committed to God. He was, a he was an Old Testament prophet. And a prophet was somebody that would speak on behalf of God to the people. And a lot of times, it wasn't always um, what they wanted to hear. Matter of fact, Elijah brought more confrontation on behalf of God than comfort. And so because he would bring confrontation, he would say things they didn't want to hear. It took boldness. It took faith. And it always cost him something, but he always did what God called him to do, which is why I love Elijah. So we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 18 today. If you have a Bible, you can pull it out. If you're using one of the church Bibles, it's page 305. So 305 on one of the church Bibles, 1 Kings 18. So it starts off, there was a famine. And in, and in those days, a famine is really, 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 really bad. It wasn't like where we are in the United States this day and age. Well, if there's a famine, it doesn't matter because we just turn on our water faucet. Like, that's not the deal. There, there was a famine, so we can't uh, run the sprinkler four times a week. Like, that's not what it is. There is a famine, and it is bad, and it is serious. In verse uh, 1 and 2, it says this, After a long time, in the third year of the famine, meaning... The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. It's amazing how we could read over scripture and we don't realize the depth of what God's saying. Listen to what's happening here. This is so huge. Okay, there was a famine. They're in the third year of it. 
And God says, hey, listen, I'm gonna bring the rain. I'm gonna, I'm gonna solve what you've been praying for. I'm gonna bring the rain, but I need you. As I am bringing the rain, I need you to do something. I need you to go present yourself to Ahab and I'll send the rain on the land. Here, here's why that's a big deal. Ahab is killing the prophets of God. Ahab and his wife Jezebel, they're bad people. Like, like not just bad, they're evil. And, and this is what I know, and this is what, what this uh, scripture is, is really kind of helping us understand, that obedience often precedes blessings. O- obedience often precedes blessings. That God's saying, hey, listen, I'm gonna bring the rain, but as I bring the rain, I need you to go have a conversation with Ahab. You gotta have to exercise some faith if you want me to come and bring the rain. Hey, hey listen, I'm gonna do some things in your marriage. I'm gonna work on behalf, but you need to plan the date. Hey, listen, I got a job for you, but I need you to apply. And and what God's saying is, I'm gonna work on your behalf, but that doesn't mean you sit on your behind. And and, and some of us think when we pray, that means God does everything and we do nothing. And that's not what scripture tells us. That when we're praying for a miracle, we're also acting in obedience. And often obedience precedes blessing. So we have this evil couple with a lot of power. They're ruling Israel, Ahab and Jezebel. Here's what it says about Ahab, 1 Kings 16, 30. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. It's a pretty bad dude. Hey, this is the most evil dude in the history of our world thus far. Bad dude. Let's check out his wife, Jezebel. Well, she was off killing the Lord's prophets. So this is a bad combo. And God's like, hey, I'm gonna bring the rain, but what I want you to do is go to the worst evil couple on the planet, on my behalf. And Elijah said, yes, sir. I wonder if you and I had enough faith and obedience to say yes, sir, when God tells us to do the hard thing. Or I wonder if we don't say yes, sir, we're like, but what this, and how about, tomorrow looks good for me to do that, and this, like, how about, and Elijah just said, yes, sir. That's faith. And then he runs into Ahab says this, verse 17, when he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Listen, this is Old Testament trash talk at its finest. (laughs) Like they're just going through the desert, right? I'm just picturing this and they're just like, is that you? (laughs) I can't even do it. (laughs) You troubler of Israel? Like, Like he's talking smack. And, and, and here's the deal, Elijah, he, he's at the top of his game. His spiritual swagger is at all time high. Like you're not gonna talk smack and discourage him. He's got the God of gods on his side, so he's not backing down. And this is what he says. He says, you have abandoned, this is Elijah to Ahab, you have abandoned the Lord's command and have followed the Baals, the, the fake gods. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. That's the mountain we're gonna look at today and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So this is Elijah. All the the other prophets are being killed off one by one. And Elijah thinks he's the only one left. And he says, hey, let's go to Mount Carmel. I'm gonna be by myself. Why don't you gather the 850 false prophets and then we're gonna have a battle. 850 to one. Like, this is what I'm saying. There are some days where you have so much spiritual swagger, you tell 850 people, hey, bring it on. It's me and God, let's go. 
And then there are other days, the next week you wake up and it's like, man, if it's two to one, you're like, I don't know, man. I don't know, that's a lot of people. Like, I gotta look both ways. Like, I don't know what to do. But his confidence, his spiritual swagger was so high and then it keeps going. Elijah went before the people and said this, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. You see, he's, he's just putting out a challenge and here's the deal, we can challenge that because we know the one living true God always shows up next to a fake God. And so he can say that, he can say, hey, let's put it to test. Let's let your fake God that doesn't exist so I know he won't show up next to the living, active God of the universe who I know shows up. And so he puts together a contest and this is what he says. He says, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna make an altar. You make your altar, you get your bull and a bull represent a sacrifice. It was, it was a big deal and it was normal back then. You, you were sacrificing finances, you were sacrificing food, especially in a time of famine, that was a big deal. Said, you take your bull and you sacrifice it and if God lights up your altar, your sacrifice, then he's the real God. And then after you go, I'll go and I'll create my altar with a bull and if my God lights it on fire, then he's the real God and we'll worship him. And everybody said, that sounds fair, let's do that. And so the false prophets, they go first. And they begin dancing and shouting. And of course, nothing happens because it's not real. <laughs> like They're just screaming at the wind, right? And, and here's the deal. When you have a lot of spiritual swagger and you know you are right, I'm not suggesting that he was, uh, Elijah was arrogant in the negative sense, but I'm just picturing him kind of like arms crossed in the back, just be like, what, what are these knuckleheads doing? Like, are you kidding me? And so now it's his turn to start talking smack. And I love that, it. it's in scripture. Hey, maybe you gotta shout louder, maybe he can't hear you. <laughs> Seriously, this is what he says. And then he's like, hey, maybe he's in the bathroom. Hey, yeah, literally, maybe your God's on the toilet. Hey, hey maybe he's sleeping, maybe he's in deep thought. He literally just starts rattling, which only angers them, right? And this goes on for hours and hours and hours to the point where nothing's happening. So they take things to the next level. They take out swords and knives and start stabbing themselves as a way to show even more allegiance and sacrifice, which of course does nothing. And so after a bunch of nothing happens, this, I think there's a sense where Elijah goes from arrogance to humility. You see, he has a, a lot of confidence with them, but then be, before God, reverently, he, he gets humble. And he sets up 12 stones around the altar, one for each of the tribes of Israel. And then he puts the bull on. And then he says something that I think is awesome in verse 33, fill four large jars, he asked the people, fill four large jars of water and pour it on the offering of the altar. Okay, well, we're in a famine, so right there, that's an expensive experiment. Take four large jars and pour it on the altar, which is the opposite of fire. So I'm trying to make fire and you're, now I'm asking you to put water on it. That's how confident he is in God. And after the four large jars of water, he says, do it again. And then after they do the eight, he says, hey, do it again. There are 12 large jars of water and he dug a trench around it. There was so much water that it filled the trench full of water. Everything was soaked. And I don't know if we have any Boy Scouts in the house, but when you try to light something that is wet, it don't work. 
But there are some times that God tells you to do things that don't make sense in the world's eyes, but they make sense to him. And I would venture to say not some things, there's a lot of things. And what we need to do is we need to get used to when God says pour water on the sacrifice, we don't need to start advising God. Hey, God, I don't think that's going to work. Hey, God, do you realize that we don't do that? And God starts telling you how to have pure relationships. And we're like, well, God, I don't, do you know about this? And do you know? No, no, we don't do that. We just simply say, yes, sir. And we pour on the water. You see, a lot of times Christianity goes completely against the miracles of God often go completely against the wisdom of our, of our own times. And then he prays. And then this is what happens in verse 38 and 39. After he prays, he says, says this, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil. And it also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. At this moment on Mount Carmel, it's 850 to one. Okay, I, I, you gotta understand what's happening. Elijah's spiritual swagger has to be at an all-time high. Like there's, there's so much of him, I don't know about you, but there's so much of him like, man, I know God's gonna come through, I know God's gonna come through, and then he does it, and you're like, oh my goodness, God came through, like that was pretty awesome. Like plan B wasn't looking good, thank you, Lord. And like his, his swagger, his confidence of like, oh my goodness, and not only that, revival takes place. 850 people that were worshiping something else start saying, no, the Lord is God. Revival is moving. It doesn't get any better than this for a prophet. Amen, doesn't get any better. That's the mountaintop experience. That's 1 Kings 18. But here's the problem. 1 Kings 19 is coming around the corner. You see, 1 Kings 18, he's like, he feels invincible. His confidence is at all time high. But Ahab runs away and he tells his wife Jezebel everything that happened on Mount Carmel. And then we pick up in 1 Kings 19, verse two. May the gods deal with me. This is Jezebel saying this. Deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And what Jezebel saying is said, within 24 hours, I'm gonna kill you. That's what she said. She was the one killing the prophets and she's saying, hey, Elijah is the next one on my most wanted list. Well, big deal. It was just 850 to one. He, he already dealt with them, right? Like it was 851 and he had all this confidence. These were people that were trying to kill him, out to get him. But then this one little girl, this one little girl, she's like, hey, you got 24 hours. And my man freaks out. I'm not suggesting this. I'm just telling you what some commentaries have said, that one woman has more power than 850 men. I'm just saying that's what some have said. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... Ladies, use your powers wisely, okay? It is not a fair game. It show isn't. <laughs> this is his response. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And I read that, I'm like, what? Like you were just king of the mountain, and then one person tweets something about you and you, you freak out? One person sends you an ugly email, one person complains, one person this, one, like are you serious? And immediately freaks out and he takes off, he's afraid. And he ran 
for his life. I don't know if you've ever been there. You're like, God, thank you, thank you, thank you, one moment. And then the next week you have a midlife crisis. And you're like, God, I just prayed for this for 10 years. You came through and the next week you have an all time high in anxiety. And you're like, what? And you have this 1 Kings 18 versus 1 Kings 19 moment. And here's what I would tell you. This is really, really important. I think you and I, we need to identify what our Jezebels are. I think you and I, we need to identify, okay, God moves and he does things and that's great. But what is that one thing, that, two, that second thing or third thing that if this one person said something, if this one thing happened, it would send you into a tailspin. I think we need to name it so that we can see it coming. And I don't think he knew that ahead of time and he freaked out and he ran. Verse four, it says, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, an entire day's journey. Commentaries say it would be about 15 miles that he ran. Like he just ran and didn't look back. He forced Gump ran is what happened, okay? <laughs> like he was just like running and running. And listen, when you run into the woods, I don't know if you've ever been in the woods, you don't have to run far to disappear. You just run 50 or 100 yards, they can't see you. He ran 15 miles an entire day. He just sprinted and sprinted and sprinted, just kept going and going. It was all adrenaline, it was all fear-based. He had so much fear and anxiety that he just ran and ran and ran. And here's what I'll tell you. Alone, running, and scared is a bad combo. Alone, running, and scared is a bad combo, which is why we believe in groups so much around here, because we believe we are better together, amen? amen. And then you think that's as bad as it gets, and it gets worse says he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. It's like, how do you have revival one moment? How do you see miracles? How do you see God move in one moment? And then the next moment, you're like, God, my life is worthless. Just kill me now. Are you, like, that's what's happening. And it's like, are you serious? And it's easy for me to read this and point a finger, but I think I often understand Elijah a lot more than I'd like to believe. I think I experience highs and lows just like everybody else, and maybe you could relate to that. But I love, I love God's kindness, and be, before we get to God's response, I'll say this, revival takes a toll on the body, mind, and soul. He just experienced revival, and what we don't understand and we don't pay enough attention to is we think after we take an L that it takes a lot out of us after there's a loss, but you can actually have a win and it still take a lot out of you. Like, like there is literally something called combat fatigue where you can win the battle, but you're still exhausted. And what he didn't realize is he just won a battle that God just used him and he didn't realize it takes a toll. Revival and miracles and a move of God just take a toll on you. When you have 723 people serve at serve day and 37 sites, that's great, that's awesome, that's incredible. But you better believe we're tired. You better believe we're exhausted. It's more emails, it's more work, it's, it's more people, it, it's more food, it's more hot dogs, it's more everything. And if we don't realize it's tiring to do the work of the Lord sometimes, you're gonna burn out and you're gonna be exhausted and the line from blessing to burnout is very thin. And you're not gonna see it coming and then sooner or later you're gonna sit under a tree and you're gonna be like, God, just go ahead and take me now. And God's like, what are you talking about, knucklehead? You're just tired. Like that's all it is. Jezebel's nothing. 
And here's what I would say. When we make people big and the Lord small, we're headed for trouble. And that's what happened. Elijah made Jezebel bigger than she ever should have been, and he made God smaller than he ever has been. But in 1 Kings 18, he made God huge, and he made everybody else small. Be careful when you are tired that you don't make the roles reversed. There's a reason that counselors have that phrase, H-A-L-T, halt. You don't make big decisions. You halt when you're tired, when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And he was all of them. He was hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And so when you are exhausted, you don't see things clearly. You don't see things in reality. And because you're alone, you can't have people speak into you. Elijah was exhausted. I wonder how many of y'all are exhausted right now. You've been praying, you've been working, you've been serving, you've been doing something for weeks, months, years. And, and you think it's a theology thing with God, but the truth is you're just tired. Life can be tiring sometimes. This is what I love about our God. He's so kind when we're such knuckleheads. This is what he says. He says, then he, meaning God, or, or Elijah, lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread, some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. You see what's happening? You got Mount Carmel and you got Mount Horeb and you got a valley in between. And God says, hey, listen, to get you from mountain to mountain, it's not complicated. You don't need another miracle. You don't need this spirit. You don't need this. You don't need that. You know what you need? You need a nap and a snack. That's it. That's it. And I gotta be honest. I thought I was gonna get a bigger amen than that. You know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I thought I was talking to my people. And I got some good news. God ain't done yet because if you read the scripture, this is what he says. He says, listen, I wanna give you a nap and a snack. Here's the first thing. The first nap and the first meal was recovery from something. But then he gives them another nap and another snack and that is in preparation for something. So you get to go home this afternoon. You get to have a little sunnies. You get to go have a little meal. You get to have a nap. You wake up and you're boothing. She's like, hey, you ready to go? You're like, no, pastor said I get two snacks and two naps. I get two. And if she has a problem, you call me. I say it's two, it's in the, it's in the word. I'm not getting in your marriage, don't call me. Do not call me. Do not word, use my words against me, but here's the thing. This is so true. We, we think, hey man, it's this one thing or this one person or this one situation. I just need God to do this and God's like, all right, everybody just calm down. I think you're tired. And really what you need is you need a good meal. You need to eat better. You need to eat right. You need to eat consistently and you need a nap. You need to sleep when it's time to sleep and you need to get up when it's time to get up. Like I made you on purpose and for a purpose and sometimes when you're exhausted, you get that out of whack. And he's saying, what I wanna do is I wanna give you a snack and a, and a nap for, for what you're about to do but I have something else for you. Your last mountain was not your final mountain. 
And here's, that's, listen, this is important. Some of you think your last mountain was your last mountain. And in the valley, we get exhausted and we don't, we don't think there's another mountain. We think this is forever. We think the valley is forever. But God's saying, listen, there's another mountain. Your last mountain was not your final mountain. I have another one, but I have to strengthen you. I, I, have, to, I have to breathe life. I have to carry you. I have to comfort you. So a couple questions. How are you eating and how are you sleeping? Those might be some of the most spiritual things that you can actually do. We are easy to throw them off, especially as workaholic Americans and the tendencies to just go, 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 work, work, work. We have FOMO, fear of missing out. And I wonder if we just need to take a deep breath and just breathe and have a good diet and some good sleep. By the way, I'm preaching this as a hypocrite, so. <laughs> I'm just telling y'all scripture. I'm not telling you to look at my life. No peeking, okay? I'm, I'm listening too. I wonder if you're just one happy meal and one nap away from your next mountain. This is First Kings 19, 11 and 12. It says this. It says, then the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great, a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper and the Lord was in the whisper. And so many times we wanna go, God, we just need you. I need a shooting star, I need a shooting star. And God's like, listen, I'm not about to blow something up. I'm about, if you just be still, I'm just gonna whisper something to you. I'm just gonna quietly hold you. I'm gonna quietly comfort you. And in the valley, there, there may not be a big explosion. I just wanna have a quiet moment with you. Most of the time after revival, what we need to do is go back to our secret place, our quiet place, our, our place of prayer our place of worship, our place with the Father. And it is he that sustains us from mountain to mountain. You see, in the Old Testament, Mount Carmel, this is all in the Old Testament, God provides a nap and a snack. But in the New Testament, Jesus comes. In John 6, 35, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And then he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. You see, in the Old Testament, when we're tired, God gives us a happy meal. But in the New Testament, God says, I am the happy meal. I am what you need. I am your sustainer. There, there, is, there is not something I am going to give. I am going to give me. And Jesus says, I am what you need to go from mountain to mountain. And, and, and according to John 15, we can do anything through Christ, but apart from him, we can do nothing. And some of us are wondering why we don't have another mountain in our near future. And it's because we have accidentally or intentionally separated ourselves from Jesus, the sustainer that gives us both bread and rest to go to the next mountain. 
Some of us, if God gave you the next mountain, it may be the worst thing for you because you don't have the inner character to be able to withstand the next mountaintop God wants to give you. And God wants to do something in your heart, mind, and soul in the valley to prepare you for the next mountaintop he wants to give you. We're four weeks away from Easter. On the way out, you're gonna get these invite cards. And our prayer is that we get an opportunity to reach as many people as we can with the hope and love of Jesus. We're gonna, in Lake County, we're gonna start a a brand new third service. And why are we doing a third service? Why are we making a big deal out of Easter? Because we want as many people as possible to find hope, peace, and rest from Jesus in this life and in the life to come. We're gonna do something uh, a little bit different than we normally do. If you're new, don't even worry about it. We're just doing something, okay? <laughs> you don't know what different is. Both the Lake County and Apopka online, what we're gonna do is instead of talking about being quiet and listening for the gentle whisper, we're actually going to do that. We're gonna have a moment where we just sit in the quietness and listen for the gentle whisper. And, and some of you are like wondering right now, is it gonna be awkward? Yes, it is gonna be very awkward because we go so fast that sometimes we don't slow down just to get in the presence of God. And, and if we've not done it in a while, it can be awkward for 10 or 20 seconds. But we're gonna sing a song called Quiet, or the band is, they're gonna lead us in a song called Quiet. And I just want you to just have a seat during this song and just let God whisper to you. We talk to him a lot, don't talk to him, just listen. And just see what does he wanna whisper to you. Just say, God, here I am, speak to me. What would you say? And then after that, we're gonna go into a song called Good Plans and Pastor Jeremy and and Austin, they're gonna lead us to stand. And at that time, I would ask all of our prayer partners at both campuses at that time when we stand, then the prayer partners can come to the front. And if you wanna uh, receive prayer, you can do that. If you need to get baptized or give your life to Christ, you can uh, respond at that time. My prayer is this, I know you, Journey. I know you. You're doing a lot of good. You're doing a lot of work, but life is hard. And I don't wanna just send you back in the world today. Let's just quiet ourselves and let's receive a snack and a nap from the Lord so we get ready for the next mountain, amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you so much. God, when we make foolish decisions and we run from evil people instead of standing firm for what you called us, you you don't condemn us. You, with your grace and your kindness, you, you give us a snack and a nap. You revive us. You revive our heart, mind, and soul because you have good plans for us. You you wanna take us to the next mountain. And so God, I pray for new mountains and every single person that can hear my voice. God, would you give us a new mountain on the horizon? But God, would we not get there until you do the work in the valley that you wanna do? So God, we humbly come before you and say, God, have your way in us. Give us rest. Give us the bread of life, your, your son, Jesus. Would he be enough? And would you strengthen us for the next mountain that you're calling us to take? And God, as we sit here and we are quiet, I pray, would you speak clearly to each and every one of us? 
Would our hearts be open and receptive to what you want to say to us? It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.